Have you ever had, uh, I, I saw this week, reminded me, and it kind of played into what I was wanting to say today. Um, you ever seen those videos, uh, you just had one job? You had one job, right? And I saw this one this week on Facebook. Couldn't grab it and capture it because it was, it, it, I just couldn't do it media-wise. But uh, I found a video, a minute video, of people who had just one job, and it didn't go so well. I want to see if you can catch. These are like three seconds an image. Can you catch uh, how they did with their, you just had one job? I wonder if we could all send in our own pictures, jobs or projects that we got done with, and we're like, are you kidding me? Just had one job, just one job. And today I just have one point, and it's basically the scripture's way of saying, you have one job as parents. You got a lot of jobs, but really, in the whole scheme of things, you have one job above all, and it actually is the center of what we're called to do and then flow out. I was interested as I was doing some study this week, uh, everybody would recognize the name Socrates, correct? Um, the Greek philosopher, right? So much of the way uh, the thinking structures and patterns of our world, he influenced and formed a lot of that. Um, uh, philosophy for the last 2,300 years, he has had a, a great influence on that. The way we think through things and, and logic and reason and everybody recognizes Socrates. You know, the, he, he made this comment. It shocked me, but he made this comment in Athens to the, the people of Athens. This is what he said. Could I climb the highest place in Athens? I would lift my voice and proclaim. What would a Greek philosopher proclaim? Someone who has thought about life every which way, turn it upside down. Fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children? To whom one day you're going to relinquish it all to. Why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children? Even a Greek philosopher, an ungodly man, but a man given a lot of wisdom or a lot of understanding, could see the value, the priority our lives have been given to interact, 
to parent, to take on this role as one of the most valuable things we'll ever do. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Every Jewish person knows this. Every day, today, and in, in Israel, and across the world, Jewish people got up, and these were some of the first words out of their mouth. This is the Shema. This is what they say every day, morning and night. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is foundational to their understanding about what life is, about who God is, about this whole God of, of this one true God. And they would say these words, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Recognize that? Somebody else says, hey, you want to understand life? You can boil all the scriptures down to this, these, this idea, right? I think that was Jesus. It said everything hinges, everything rests on loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today as this fledgling little group of people, God's people being called out, are now being introduced to who this God is and how we relate to him and how this happens. He says, listen, God is established or wanting to establish a love relationship with you. Love, love relationship. Where he's calling you to love him with all you are. He is loving you. and He's calling you to love him. And as Moses is pinning these words and as it, it, the takeoff for the revelation of God, this bigger picture of what he's about, he's saying, these things I'm going to share with you about what you need to know about me. So these commands I give that I give to you are to be uh, on your hearts, something that you take in and allow to become your thinking. Uh, it's not something that you just passively read or uh, every once in a while consider, but they become a regular, consistent voice in your life as you begin to see the world the way that our Creator sees the world. As you begin to understand how in the world is this life supposed to be lived and even recognizing then the brokenness and the lostness of life. How can I reorient my life to, to be what it was created to be? And he says, I'm gonna show you how that's gonna happen through this, my written word. And I want these to be on your heart. What that means is, I mean, it's, it's what you think. It's your first thoughts because you've just taken it in and taken it in and taken it in. And then this is what he says. Impress them on your children. You have one job. You have one job. You get what this is all about? You've got to transfer that to the next generation. It's on you to be a proactive, vital part of my word continuing to live in this world. Will you impress this on your children? I love this word impress. The NIV says impress. Uh, other versions, will you teach diligently is the, 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 the translation. 
It's an intense word, and it's really a word from that time and culture in the Hebrew that talks about taking like uh, an arrow that they would have used to either uh, feed themselves through the hunting of game or protecting themselves. Providing and protection, right? And they would have, they would have, they would have taken a stone and they would have sharpened that arrow. Guess what that, if you've ever done that kind of stuff, can't just scrape it a couple times and it's good to go, right? You have to consistently and regularly shape that arrow. And that's what he's saying. Impress, engrave is another word here. Engrave these words of God on your children. Let them first rest on your heart, become what you think and believe and act out, and then engrave them on the minds and the hearts of your children as you would sharpening that arrow, getting it ready to fulfill its purpose effectively, right? To be able to provide for food, to be able to protect you from an enemy, in the same idea, if you'll do this in the minds of your children, they will be prepared to realize their purpose, their potential, their life. Will you impress on your children the word of God? You have one job above all others. I know there's 5,000 jobs, right? And I'm trying to teach my kids so many different things work ethic and, and uh, uh, you know, I was just thinking like, <laughs> I'm trying to teach like, never make the first or third out at what base? Come on, baseball fans. Where are you never supposed to make the first and third out? Third base. Don't ever make the first and third out at third base. Man, you guys need to start following baseball. I'm trying to teach Keegan that. Don't ever get thrown out at third on the first out or the last out of the inning. That's just baseball wisdom knowledge. You don't do that. You still got time where you want to leave another batter to drive you in, right? Right, Jenna? First and third out, never at third base. I'm trying to teach my kids so many different things. Can't teach them much about cars. <laughs> hey, I changed the oil in my mower, though. I'm moving up in life, maintenance in my mower now. It's, I'm, I'm impressed with myself, but you're not, and you see how far my, or low my expectations are in my life. But above everything else, I'm trying to teach them my primary. You have one job. It's this, to create an environment where the word of God is lived because at the beginning of this, you love, you have it on your heart. This is presupposing that as we teach diligently our kids, presupposing two things. One, that our heart is open to a relationship with God. And two, that we know the word of God. You can't teach what you don't know. And you can't transfer what you don't possess, right? It's presupposing, okay, you're open, you're on board, you're in, you're a believer, your faith is active, it's alive. So now you have something to give and you've spent time allowing the word to be poured into your life. That's why we talk about things like 
bringing in the scriptures into our life on a weekly or regular basis, it's got far more implication than just your own life. Your kids need you to be sharing, impressing, teaching diligently them about the word of God. Right? Create an environment where the word of God is lived and then taught. And what he says about this teaching is so cool. It says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And the way this is, as I've been studying this, is this isn't preach a sermon to them every day. Okay, 30 minutes we're going to have Heavy biblical instruction. Get your textbook out. Get your notepads out. Some of you might like that. That's okay. This is as you are living life, take the opportunities to be sharing the truth of God everywhere you go, in what you do, as you work. Why, you know, I'm trying to, I got a teenager right now, and like work ethics, like something that's really on my heart. Like, so Keegan, go do this job. And then I'm following up. Did you do the job? Did you complete it, right? Anybody else with me on this? It's like a hard thing. And like I go out there, and I'm trying to say, hey, this is what a completed job looks like. This is half done. This is what it needs to look like without being a, a tyrant, you know, or like a dictator, or a perfectionist. Trying to be reasonable, but also trying to teach a job well done. But in those conversations, why do we do our work well? Do I have an answer for him? Is it just because your culture taught you that? Because you were from a German background or whatever and, you know, like... No, it's because God himself calls us to be responsible stewards of what he's given to us, to treat everything well and to do all things as unto the Lord, right? My work is a reflection of my relationship with God. If I do my work well, it reflects glory of God. Am I having that conversation with Keegan, right? where I'm teaching him as I walk on the way and as I sit in my home and as I rise up in the morning, am I taking opportunities at the beginning of the day to pray over my kids, to share? It seems like always on the ride to, anybody else have these ride to school moments? Man, like guys, let's just get along for five minutes on the way to school or coming home or anywhere and everywhere. It's not, I'm going to preach to you every day like this kind of approach here. It's as I'm doing life, as I'm understanding how God is calling me to live, I transfer that out. I speak it out. I share it. It must be transferred. And guys, those moments when you are suffering heartbreak and setback and issues at work, 
or financial turnarounds or uh, relational issues or loss and grieving. It is important. And the word says that as you allow God to help you through those times, you need to be communicating to your kids how God is helping you through these times and how his word is sustaining you and how it's directing you and how it's giving you hope and guidance. That must be transferred. Impress on them. Teach diligently. Just had one job, right? I like this little graph. Foundational is truth. Do I know the truth? Do I understand the truth? Do I know what? This is, for us, this is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Like I have my parents' age are looking at me saying, man, I don't know what you're going to do parenting now. Because truth is so relative, right? And used to be so easy to say this is truth and, and people would see it. Now it's like, wow, knowing doctrinal truth, having personal devotion to that truth, understanding the word of God, creating biblical knowledge in my life so that then I can transfer it onto their life. Finding those rhythms of life where we can have, maybe it's the dinner table, Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening before they go to bed. How can I create some kind of rhythm where we talk about the word of God? It's systematic. And then always those teachable moments and recognizing, okay, this is a moment. My kid's heartbroken. My kid is dealing with this. Uh, he's got or she's got self-esteem issues, or somebody said something to them at school, or they see things they don't understand. In these moments, I am going to surround them with my love and support, my unconditional love, and I am going to do my best. But also in those moments, I'm going to remind them and point them to a God who loves them and a Savior who is on their side. And not only does dad love you, but in a greater and much more full way, you have a Savior that loves you. And you can turn to him. You can trust him with this right now. Always realizing there's teachable moments for the word of God to create this environment where the word is lived and taught. Father, this thing is so hard, parenting, so complex. And yet, not trying to oversimplify it because I realize the many decisions we're all making, but yet there is this one job that we have that you call us to. And this foundational word you give us says love God and impress this on your kids. Impress the word of God, the commands of God on your kids. Help us to create an environment in our homes. Lord, we need so much help. I need help. Grow me in this. Help me to, to continue to build in systematic instruction, but also capitalize on teachable moments, always pointing them not only to my love and my commitment to them, but God's love and God's commitment to them in an even greater way. Give us wisdom and discernment. Give us strength, Father. Give us understanding. We need this so badly with our parents, as we parent. But Lord, the promises... And the reality of families that honor God and his word. The blessing. The consequences of that are a life of meaning, purpose, and blessing from you. Help our homes to honor you in all that we say and do. Because we created an environment for the word of God to live. 
and be taught. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a good day. Stay dry. We'll see you next week. My job.